Hey everyone, my name is Ron, and uh, this is my first uh, podcast. So bear with me if there's anything wrong. Um, our guest today is Mike Miller. Mike, how are you doing? I am fantastic. Um, thank you for joining me for this first one, Mike. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate oh, it. No, yeah, man. It's it's you're you're out there on LinkedIn. You're helping out all the people with cybersecurity issues, um, questions, getting getting started. So it's it's my pleasure having you. Uh, here. Uh, first question for you is, um, how did you get into technology and cybersecurity in the first place? Yeah, no problem. I was in my, I'm going to say late teens, early 20s. And uh, I got into desktop support working for a dial-up internet provider. Uh, so, um, you know, the internet wasn't a, a huge thing when I got into IT. I guess I got into it right as it started growing. And my job was to kind of read out of a book and uh, help people out as much as I could. But the issue was I didn't know anything. So if something went, if I couldn't find it in my book, like, you know, I had to call for help. And after a while, I just started learning. And from there, I grew into like a systems admin role, uh, network admin role. And then I started do, doing some consulting. And from there, uh, I got into uh, defensive security. I had a really good friend. One of my best friends and mentors uh, got me into defensive security. <clears throat> then I rolled into offense for years, did penetration testing and so on. Uh, then I get into auditing, specifically PCI auditing. I was a QSA for a while. And um, then slowly, you know, um, I never really had a plan to be a VSISO. If you would have asked me five years ago, I couldn't have told you what it even was. And uh, slowly, you know, roles um, started coming to me, uh, you know, some opportunity. And um, so, you know, so... So here we are, buddy. Here we are. Yeah, yeah it, it seems to be the, the case even for me. That's that's how I started, just desktop support. How, how did you, question, how did you Google things before Google? Boy, that's a, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> let's see, Bing wasn't around at the time. I don't even remember. I don't remember. I should remember, but I really don't. I don't remember those days a whole lot. I guess I just yelled to everybody else in the room and asked them the question. Um, that's, that's a good question. Yeah, I remember I was using like uh, search engines like Savvy Search or I think Yahoo. I had, yeah, had that yeah, like an Yahoo. early on search engine. You'd get like a million of results. 99.9% .9 of them were not relevant at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, so. I would dive deep into the forums because you didn't have you didn't have social media and everything was, uh, yeah. was forums. So you would everything dive forums, deep into the yeah. forum and ask questions and hope that you can get some decent answers. What do you like most about being in the cybersecurity field? I think, so for me, um, I've always loved being a problem solver. Uh, and I, I love in this field, no matter what, there's so many sectors within cybersecurity. You, you, you know, you have three that I talk about all the time are defense, you know, offense, GRC, and whether, you know, whether you're super technical or not super technical, um, there's there's room here for everybody. And so for me, it's been, uh, I just, I like working with people. I like being able to solve problems. Um, so for me, that's that's been huge. Yeah, so, some people in the comments, I see they say they ask Jeeves. So there's a search engine called I ask do Jeeves. remember Ask Jeeves, yeah. So was it, was it pre-Google Ask Jeeves? I, I really can't place the timing on that. I'm going to say it was close. Ask Jeeves was around after Google, I know that. Uh, are they still around? I haven't been there forever. I haven't been there forever. I, I don't know. Yeah. I. I don't know. It's it's been like what twenty five years, twenty. It's been a long yeah. It's yeah. been a long time. Yeah. yeah, I remember the graphic was pretty cool. The graphic was pretty cool for us. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's some of the challenges that exist in cybersecurity today, especially you know for young for for people coming in? I would say for people. So I, I'm going to say two challenges. The first one is for people coming in. Um, I would say hiring is one of the biggest challenges there's no standardization in this field at all, right? So if you want to be an attorney, there's a process, schooling, a bar you have to pass. And, and at the end of that, if done successfully, you become an attorney. If you want to be a surgeon, there's a process for that that you follow. You know, it's a blueprint that you follow. In this field, it's still the Wild West. It's still the case of, you know, um, you can go to college if you want to. You can go to boot camps. You can YouTube like crazy. You can self-study. Um, there's just there's just so many different avenues. So as far as the hiring, you know, the good and bad part about that is that 
you know, if, when you look at job descriptions, if you look at, uh, we'll just use the title cybersecurity analyst, right? What the heck is that? If, if you were to look at 10 different jobs that the title was cybersecurity analyst, you're going to have a different description for every single one. There's just no job standardization. Um, certifications is, is another challenge. Uh, just knowing what cert to get, if even to go get a cert, which direction to go, misconceptions, people being misled. And also, um, you know, you have job descriptions that I call, I really think that 60% of job descriptions out there are wish lists. I really do. Um, you know, because they all say, you know, three or four years of experience, CISSP, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, whatever cert they list. But the truth is, if they find the right person, a lot of times they will forego the, you know, the certification. So, and possibly send that person for their cert. So, yeah. Um, as far as other, other challenges, this isn't really a one for people coming in, but just cybersecurity as a whole. I think our biggest challenge is people, right? Because people are the front lines of protecting an organization. So, you know, you look at ransomware, you look at, uh, you know, the, the pipeline and just everything that happens most of the time. I think the Verizon breach report for 2021 said that over 80 per 80 percent of breaches that happened happened because of the human element, meaning that, you know, us, a user, clicked something to make that happen. So it's user awareness training. Um, I could go on and on. You know, compliance says, you know, for PCI specifically and, and other frameworks say, you know, once a year there needs to be user awareness training. Well, let's think about that. If, if your breaches, if 80% of the breaches are happening because of the human element, why is, why is user awareness training only required once a year? So, yeah. Why know, is it only once a year? It's that not important. <clears throat> it's it's yeah. the main element. Exactly. Yep. It's, it's yeah, exactly yeah. why, yep. you know, in certain companies now there's a movement to do it more frequently. Uh, yeah. Every six months, every four months. And it's micro training. It's not, you're not sitting down for four hours of training. It's like oh, yeah. 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Just be aware of these. Yep. Yeah. These micro trainings are great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And going back to your point about the job descriptions, I think the job descriptions are, are the biggest thing that that hinders a talent getting into uh, cybersecurity. I've seen I've seen and you've seen the same, I think, uh, a job description. It, it's like six pages long with 30 different requirements for entry level analysts. It's oh, yeah. it's it's how how is someone entry level analyst supposed to have all of that uh, yeah. um, uh, qualifications in their hand when you're just entry level? Yep. Um, yep. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes. Yeah. And I get people that, that inbox me every single day and they'll say, Mike, I'm ready to give up because, you know, all these companies that require me to have this and this and this. And I, I always say for every for every company that tells you you have to have three certifications, there's two other companies out there that are just happy to find a good person that has knowledge, you know, so yeah, that, that you just pretty much knows found, what they're doing. Yeah. You just haven't found the right organizations. Yeah. So you, you've written a book recently and you, and you sent it out, um, you, you're selling it in your website. Um, it's called uh, Break In Cyber Playbook. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that book? Yeah, so I've wanted to do this for years um, just because, you know, again, there's no standardization in this field. There's no, there's no blueprint. And my book is not a blueprint on how to get into the field. It's basically um, about a, you know, about a six, a little less than 60 page guide on just different strategies that you can use to get into the field. Um, the first section of the book, uh, the playbook talks about, you know, different sectors of security and how to get into them and how to position yourself and so on. Technical paths to go down, learning paths to go down. Um, the second half of my book <clears throat> is dedicated not just to people breaking in, but also for people who are maybe in the field, they've been here for 10 years, they're kind of stuck, they don't know what to do, they're, they're, you know, they, they've maybe hit a ceiling. So the whole second part of my book um, talks about self-branding, right? And mainly using the LinkedIn platform to be able to, um, to, you know, to gain visibility so that in the end, uh, the, the real goal for, the, for my book is that you end up having recruiters and hiring managers coming to your inbox. So you're not, you know, back when I was looking for jobs, you know, when I was younger, um, the, you know, you sling resumes and you cross your fingers and you hope. And now the goal is to reverse that, right? Now the goal is to be, instead of slinging resumes, we're looking through a Rolodex of opportunities, you know, coming to our inbox. So that that's really my goal of it. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, and I have to agree, it's, 
you have to rebrand yourself a little bit uh, to get traction, to get into cybersecurity. It's no longer just, I'm going to send out three, 400 resumes uh, per month or per two, per two months uh, yeah. and see what sticks. That that concept, that effort is, is not there anymore. It's, it's yeah. not 20 years ago. So um, this is how you can get uh, Mike's book, breakingintocyber.com. Um, and if you guys enter this little guy in the, where is it, um, Mike? Is it in the checkout? Yeah, if, if they go to buy the book and they're checking out, it's, so the book's 29 bucks. Um, but when they're checking out, if they enter Ron Sharon in the coupon section, um, they get nine bucks off. So it's an even 20. So Okay, perfect. Thank you yeah, very much for doing discount, that for everyone. You get a discount just for knowing you, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. So give me five things uh, uh, that someone that's breaking into cyber, that wants to break into cybersecurity needs to do right now. Yeah, absolutely. I was prepared for this. I wrote some of this down. So one would be if you're, if you're wanting to get into this field, pick a tech, you know, pick a, a technical learning path, right? And so you got to decide, do you want to go to college? Do you want to go to boot camps? Do you want to do some self-study online? Um, pick a learning path that suits you. <clears throat> Don't let anyone tell you what to do, right? Because we all learn different. <clears throat> what worked for you, Ron, might not work for me because we may we may learn totally different. Um, the second thing is when I'm mentoring people, I send them down two parallel paths at the same time. So I send them down the learning path. And I talk about this in my book too. I send them down the learning path of, all right, here's what you need to learn technically. But at the same time in parallel, you need to start branding yourself. You need to start creating who you are, right? Whether whether or not we realize it, we're all in business, right? Whether or not we have an LLC or a corporation because we all have certain skills and the end goal is that we need to be able to sell our skills to a potential employer. <clears throat> so you don't wanna wait until you have all of your skills and you're ready to go and then say, okay, now it's time to brand myself and make connections. You should, if you have, let's say you have two hours a day to work toward your career in cybersecurity, spend an hour of your day, technical learning, spend another hour building your connections. You know, every connection is a seed, right? Plant seeds, um, you know, uh, don't follow people, right? So like make that, make that connection. That's a two way handshake. That way they can see who you are too. Um, the other thing is, you know, surround yourself with people that you can learn from and, where I see people getting stuck here is people tend to only connect to, um, you know, VPs or CEOs or people who are senior level. And I tell you what, I've learned from so many people that are even just aspiring to get into this field or even that just broke into this field because they have different perspectives, right? We, we some of, sometimes we can maybe think old school and, you know, maybe think like this, where some of the newer people coming into the field, they just have different perspectives. So don't get stuck in that only wanting to connect to people who are like super successful in the field, connect to people who, who are engaging. Right. And from there, choose a path, um, cho choose a technical career path. And when, when I say that, um, to say that you want to be in cybersecurity is huge. That's like saying, I want to be a professional at sports, right? Well, we got to pick a sport. Is it soccer? Is it football? What is it? So, do you want to be good at offensive security? Do you want to pursue a career in defensive security? Um, maybe you're not real technical and you want to start off by being a security auditor. Um, it just, it really depends where you want to go, but I think you got to like pick a swim lane, pick a sport, right. And stick with that sport. You can cross over if you get into blue team. I mean, I did blue team before I got into red team. Um, and there's no certain order that you, that you have to do that in, but, um, gain knowledge in one of those sports first and then, and then go from there. And the other thing is just press forward, you know, try to surround yourself with people that are, that are, um, you know, that can support you and, and lead you in the right direction. Yeah. I have to agree with the last points too. You, you have to have this group of people that, that pushes you because you're going to have, you're going to have crisis moments. You're going to have, yeah. you're going to have that, that bad day. You're going to crawl into your bed. You're going to lie under the blankets. And you're yep. just going to think to quit whatever you're doing. But, but you know, this, it, this group will help you there. This is where oh, yeah. uh, the, the people that surround you will encourage you to move forward, will tell you that, that you've done what you need to do, keep pushing and keep pushing. Yep. Because quitting is, 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 quitting 
it, it's a knee-jerk reaction sometimes. You, you really oh, need to think through about quitting. Um, and this group of people will that you surround yourself with will help you. And we have our own group of people. I encourage people uh, out there to also get get their own uh, supported group because you know it's 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 life. And you grow and you grow with that group. So you guys are all analysts. In five yeah. years, you guys are all managers, and you can and you can ask each other questions. You know, none of us, none of us knows everything. So I don't know something. I call, I, I call up my people, the people in my group and I say, Hey, I don't know this. Can you help me? And yeah. sure enough, in five minutes, I get six different answers from these people that to yeah. help me. So, uh, yeah, that's... yeah, people are smart. Like, you know, one brain can't contain all, of, all of that information, but if you surround yourself with a network of people <clears throat> that also helps with another topic that I talked about, which I, I talked about in my book too, is imposter syndrome. Right. I mean, I still suffer from it big time. I'm 25 years into the field. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't really strive to become a VSISO. I kind of accidentally happened, but I, you know, but I've really enjoyed it. But, you know, when people started throwing the title at me, I'm thinking, I don't have a VSISO certification or, you know, um, and I run into VSISOs that like, I, I think I'm here, right? When it comes to my level, but I, but I meet VSISOs every day that are like, up here and i'm thinking man if, if that's what it takes to be vsiso then i then i really shouldn't be doing this but then but then the people that support me and people that i'm working with you know the, the goal is that they can gain value from the experience that i have and it, it, when you're suffering from imposter syndrome um i i guess my advice would be to try to let and i've talked about this before in podcasts and stuff but try to leverage that imposter syndrome to make you learn a little more, right? Make you want to maybe stay up a little later at night to, to work or to study. You know, if, if I'm going into a meeting with a client about a piece of software that I've never heard of before, immediately I'm thinking, man, I'm not qualified to have this conversation, but I spend a little extra time, you know, trying to learn that. And in my opinion, imposter syndrome never goes away. Uh, at least it hasn't in my 25 years. And uh, you just have to learn how to leverage it as best you can. <clears throat> I agree. Every time I talk to, you know, people in the group, uh, in my close group or people uh, in conventions, I'm like, oh, this person is, well, they really know their stuff. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not yeah. there. Yeah. So it, com yeah. it comes and goes. And sometimes I'm sitting in a room and I'm like, hey, I can give this lecture. I'm like, I know enough. Yeah. So it, how many it, times, it, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. Yeah. How many times you, how many times you run across an acronym and you're like, I don't know what that means. I have to like Google it quick to see what it means because it's just. Hey, it's I, I did my network plus twelve years ago. I don't remember any of the acronyms. And if you ask me to subnet something right now, I wouldn't know how to. It's it's just. Same here. But <laughs> you know, but, I used to I used to do it with my eyes closed and have one hand yeah. tied behind my back, but not anymore. Yeah. But that's where that's where you you have to know how to use your resources and surround yourself by people that can help you out with that stuff. Absolutely, yeah, that's right. So if, by the way, if any of you have questions, put them in uh, your LinkedIn chat, um, your LinkedIn comments, um, and yeah. uh, Mike and I will be more hap than happy to address them um, on this podcast. On this podcast, right now. Yeah, absolutely. We have a little bit of a contest going today, don't we? I think so. Uh, I think I lost already. I, I haven't, I haven't hey, checked in the past hour. I don't think. I think you're still in the lead. So, so uh, um, maybe we can talk about this a little bit. Um, <laughs> about it's been about 11 months to a year ago that i started so i've always had a linkedin account but i never posted if i did i shared a vulnerability or something like that but i never took it seriously and about a year ago i decided to kind of go all in and just dedicate myself to the platform and you did the same thing about the same exact time i did and uh your growth has been amazing um and so i think we're both close to hitting 30k something like that yeah uh, but uh yeah it's, it's close so I think one we have of like us, 550 separating us so yeah anybody, one of us, if anybody can help me don't help mike don't help me <laughs> help me one of us one of us has, is gonna have to yeah. buy the other a sweet tea or a coffee or something oh yeah so sweet sweet <laughs> tea coffee beer whatever yeah. if you're ever in town man um <laughs> something i wanted to ask you um so you got into cybersecurity. Um, what prompted you to be more active on LinkedIn? So you, you and I, you know, I, I had a revelation moment a year ago, and you probably had yep. one. So what, what was your revelation moment of? Oh, I really need to be active on this platform. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it was um, people that I worked with when I when, when you know we would hire someone new or we would hire someone that was um, 
you know, just breaking into the field and they would ask questions. And for me, I kind of got a little bit of a, an adrenaline rush out of helping someone and then like watching them. Like when you give someone advice and they take and they apply that advice and actually, you know, are successful when they do that. Um, it's a little bit of an adrenaline rush for me. <clears throat> so I thought, you know what, you know, I'm helping people out that I know. And the, this link, this, this thing, you know, LinkedIn is out there. <clears throat> so one day I just decided to kind of put myself out there. I made um, a post that just said, uh, you know, um, here I am, right? Um, not, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I, you know, I've, I've been around the industry a little while and I'm more than willing to share what I failed at, how I failed at it, maybe how you can do better or go, go another way instead of the way I went. And, uh, and I just really enjoyed it. I will say the cybersecurity community as a whole has been like unreal, um, very friendly, very supportive. And so for me, um, you know, I also work out of the house and I'm an extrovert in case, in case no one picked up on that. And so for me, it's also an outlet, right? It's, it's, you know, I wouldn't know you if, if it wouldn't be for this platform. And I've met so many people from this platform um, that, that's, you know, that, that we talk, that I talk to on a daily basis and, you know, definitely uh, consider, you know, close friends. Yeah. I, 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 how about you? Yeah. Tell me about yours. So I, I sat in a conference um, and I'm like, huh, I can, I know this stuff. I I really can talk about it. And I have a lot of opinions. I can, I can share my, my path, which, which was, you know, not standardized path into cybersecurity or always was standardized, depending how you look at it. Yep. Um, and I'm like, I have a lot of things to say and, and I have no avenue to say it uh, in a professional setting. And I'm like, I didn't, I looked at Twitter, I look and I'm like, no, that's, that's not really how I want to, to interact with my, uh, with, with what I have to say. And I'm like, okay, so LinkedIn, I had a LinkedIn account, I think from the first month that LinkedIn came out publicly. And I'm like, I've never done anything on it. I had 250 connections on it. And, and a year ago, I'm like, okay, I have things to say. I'm going to start saying them. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've done a lot of things in my, in my past. I've went through a lot of things and some of my, uh, some of my adventures and I'm, I'm calling them, I can help other people. Um, and it's something also worth remembering about mentoring. People are, people think that we can mentor them and it's great. We can, we can mentor people, but these people can also mentor other people. For instance, we're all in different stages of our of our professional Absolutely. life. So yeah. I'm a, a CISO, you're a VCSO, almost to the top. We can we can mentor everyone behind us. And there's people that are in front of us. They've been doing this for 30 years, so they they know a lot. Uh, yeah. And those those people can mentor us. So if you're just starting out, uh, if you're six months into cybersecurity, there's people that are six months behind you. They're just starting out. You can be their mentor. You can help yeah. them get to where they need to go. Because yeah. for me. And I know for Mike, we're we're kind of far removed from how to get into the industry today. We can tell you, we can tell you what our point of view is of, of what works in our eyes. But there's other people that just got in like six months ago. It's fresh. They yeah. know exactly yeah. what they know exactly yeah. what to do. So if I mean, I'm appealing for people that are you know six months ahead in cybersecurity <laughs> to try and also help the community, people that are six months behind. That's oh, yeah. that's that's for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, to your point, and um, this guy probably always gets tired of me mentioning his name, but David Meese, I know we both know him, great guy. Uh, and I talk about him a lot. I, I actually wrote about him in, in my book. He's a guy that I think he's maybe two months into his first cybersecurity role, but he, he has already built a huge network on LinkedIn because as he was pursuing a role, still working in desktop support, he was basically journaling, you know, on LinkedIn about how it's going, what, you know, what, what he's tried, what's worked for him, what, what hasn't worked for him. So here he is only two months, actually, before he even had his first role, he's mentoring other people on what to do, what not to do. And here he is in his first role. And he has so many connections that guy will have worked for the rest of his life because of the, you know, because of that, the network that he's, that he's built. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I have a question here. When I put it on the screen, uh, as someone who has uh, only three months into an analyst role working in SOC on the sim, I'm very interested in threat hunting and intelligence. Currently, have uh, no certifications. What would be the best certification for me to pursue at this point? 
Go for it. You, I'll let you start. Uh, threat hunting. That's a that's a new that's a new thing in in our industry. Are there any certification in threat hunting? I, I think there is one. Yeah. Uh, but but also you know certifications is not that's not. We shouldn't aspire for certification. Certification yep, is great. You get you get you get a piece of paper. It says you completed some sort of course. The the information that you have in your head is more important than that piece of paper that your, says you, yeah. you did you did a test. Um, so even though I think there is one or two companies now offering cyber um, cyber intelligence yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, certifications, um, only if you really have to, you can do it. Uh, but the more important thing is for you to know the learning material. Yeah, um, as, as JJ Davey always says, um, certifications is just a byproduct of, of knowledge. And he's absolutely right when he says that. So um, you can certainly pursue certifications. But I will tell you, a certification is not going to, most of the time, not going to, to land you a new role. It is that knowledge game, you know, like, like you said, Ron. Aspire to gain that knowledge. Um, no one cares how you even gained that knowledge, right? No one ever asks how you learn. They just want to know that you learn. So uh, if it were me, <clears throat> I would be reading as many articles as I can. I would be you know, um, just getting involved, uh, even even social media. I, I use TweetDeck, you know, a Twitter product. I use that a lot and I follow certain hashtags. So I always know what's going on um, in the industry and so on, vulnerabilities, threats and, and, and what have you. And I would say the best thing you can do is just dive in deep. And and um, <clears throat> actually, as, as Jessica just said, you know, many yeah, employers- Get the certs if you don't pay for it. If yep, somebody yep. else is paying for it, sure. Get yep. the cert. These yeah, certifications, yeah. they're they're expensive. I have some certifications, and they're expensive in the long run as well. Yeah. Because something you don't think about is you have to keep to pay maintenance fees on them yeah. every year. Yeah. So I pay to PMP uh, to PMI. I pay to ISC Square for my CIS, yeah. Um yeah. and I pay for one other organization. I have a certificate with each year to keep my certifications. Yep. Um, continuing, I have to do continuing education, which is great. It's fine. I'm doing it anyway. Uh, but sometimes I, I, it takes time out of your day, you know, it's just, okay, I need to upload a bunch of stuff yeah. to make sure that yeah. I do my, my, uh, my, uh, the, my, uh, uh, the credits for my continuing education. Yeah. Yeah, the so it's not, it's not the CPEs. It's not only like 500 or $450 for the test, $2,000 for the course. You have to pay like $250. $300 per yeah. year to maintain these certifications. So if somebody else is paying for it, go for it. Yep. So Brian Blackburn just asked a question. I love this question. If you want to put that up there, uh, let me just come in. Uh, which one? At 427. There's a lot of questions in 427. <laughs> it says skipping the cert. How uh, skipping best, the cert. Here you go. Yep. Skipping the cert. How do you best indicate that you have the knowledge on your resume? And I, I, I'd love to take this one, right? Okay, go for here's it. Here's what I tell you. And, and people will argue, you know, it's just Ford and Chevy all day long. But here's what I'll tell you: the 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 resume days are slowly fading, right? Currently, I just looked this up a few days ago for another podcast. 1.6 million people are subscribed to LinkedIn's recruiter service, right? Instead of looking at resumes. What they are doing is is basically looking for online profiles, looking for people, you know, like these guys who are, you know, all these people in the comments who are in the field or aspiring, you know, what have you. And the, the resume is great. However, in order to show your knowledge, contribute to the cybersecurity community, you know, uh, post, engage, you know, uh, things like that. Show it on your profile. You never have to come off to say you're an expert at, at something, but you know, by engaging with comments that surround the topics that you're familiar with, when when one of these recruiters comes across your profile and they see the language that you're talking, they see what you're bringing to the cybersecurity community. Um, you don't you don't need that certification because you, right there you're showing that that you're that you're already giving you're already an asset to this cybersecurity community. That's and right. Feel, I've, feel free to I shot, yeah. I shot a survey up a couple of uh, three four days ago on LinkedIn. And the survey question was uh, intended for uh, sourcers, uh, uh, recruiters, and HR people and hiring managers. Where do they go to find their talent? And seventy-eight percent said they go to LinkedIn. Yeah. So if yep. somebody sees you on LinkedIn, and I've seen and I've seen it with a couple of individuals on LinkedIn that found a, successfully found a job on LinkedIn, 
because they had a complete profile, it looked good, and they were posting about their their progress. So uh, a yeah. hiring manager or a recruiter or a source went there and says, hey, this person is great. They know their stuff. Let me bring it up with the hiring manager. You're exactly right. So I founded a company back in 2010 or 2011. I sold it this past, um, I was acquired this past Valentine's Day of this past year. But anyhow, I can tell you that all of the hiring that I did, I great. I would look at a resume maybe for 60 seconds. But the first thing that I did was, you know, to, a resume doesn't say who, doesn't tell me who you are as a person. But when I look at your LinkedIn profile, and I can see who you are as a person and maybe gain a little bit of a, of a personal connection with you. Um, that tells me a lot more than a, you know, than, than a word file. <clears throat> so we have another question from Cynthia. Yeah. I'm currently doing IC2 certified yeah. in cybersecurity. I think that's their new certification. Um, and try hack me. Is there something more I should do? Uh, Cynthia, we need to know about more what you want to do. Uh, IC2 square mm -hmm. is a certification for Cybersecurity is very general. Try Hack Me. That's that's a platform that allows us to yep. to, uh, to do, to, to do yep. kind of some sort of pen testing. Uh, but but what do you really want to do? So do you want to do uh, blue teaming, red teaming? Um, that we'll be able to answer this better if you tell us. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's what it's like saying that you want to be in in sports. And and you know if you're doing that training and you're learning about the things you want to learn about. And it's all about having, you know, being confident. If you're confident in the knowledge that you're learning, you know, but then I, then you're definitely going down the right path. <clears throat> yeah. So Crystal has a question. Uh, just completed a CompTIA Security Plus uh, with uh, self-study. I felt like it was an excellent source of baseline knowledge. And yes, Security Plus is an excellent source of baseline knowledge, yeah. um, along with A Plus and Network Plus which I would recommend not to take the certification of, but read and understand the material because you oh, can't yeah. protect something you don't understand. You yeah. to understand how a computer works, packets, uh, uh, the, the memory registrar, um, go over A+, Network+, plus, Security+, plus, great, great for baseline knowledge, yep. yes. Yep. And I'm, um, and I'm do telling you, you need to take the certification for it? I don't know. If somebody else is paying for it, yes. Yeah. Um, Look at the job descriptions out there. Nobody wants a, a security plus. Nobody's asking for, or 95% of the cybersecurity jobs out there don't require a security plus. They yeah. go right up to CISP or things, other things like that. And, you know, this is always, I get flamed sometimes when I say this, but, um, you know, you can be completely successful. You know, a successful career in this field, even, and I'm not telling you to do this, but even if, if you never get any certification, but you're gaining the knowledge. You are learning to be a problem solver. You communicate well, and you know um, you're able to be an asset to the to the cybersecurity community. You can have a totally successful career without having a single certification. Now, with that said, I have people that beat me up for saying that. But at the same time, you know I can rattle off several people who have a who don't have a single cert and they're rolling into a successful 10 year career, 20 year career, 30 year career, you know, um, but you just, you just have to be able to uh, leverage the knowledge that you gain. Uh, Sierra had the question about uh, my position was maybe redundant. So my worry is because I have very little experience with certs, no recruiters will consider me. Um, there is a lot of people with certs that also don't have any kind of, uh, uh, they're on LinkedIn and you can see their frustration sometimes that, that it's growing. They say, I have all these certifications and I can't find a job. Uh, right. So having certification does not promise you having a job. That's yep. two different things. Yep. Um, will it help? I don't know in this day and age. I know that what will help better would be <laughs> networking on LinkedIn um, yep. with your peers and with, with uh, sourcers and uh, um, recruiters, HR personnel. Uh, that will be better spent of your time uh, than worrying about these certification because there's a lot of people out there with certifications that also can't have they, they they don't have a job well think about this every i'll just name any any certification i'll just say the cissp right it's it's a great certification i don't have it i'll be the first to say i don't have it um it's a great cert however if you have your cissp each time someone else gets their CISSP, it makes yours worth a little bit less because there's this thing called saturation as well. And everybody has the same thing. 
then it's it's how do you, you know how do you stand out? And what what I will tell you is, you know, if you look at a hundred profiles on LinkedIn for cybersecurity people, ninety of them don't have their profiles you know filled out. They're not using LinkedIn to its fullest capability. So with that said, if you think about that and you all of a sudden fill your profile out completely, get some help, you know, get some help with your profile talk to others. Um, but if you fill your profile out completely and then you use it to its fullest capability, guess what? That puts you in the top 10% all of a sudden with all of these 1.6 million people that subscribe to LinkedIn's recruiter service. And um, it might've been you, Ron, that put that out earlier today, or I saw someone that put out the stats about, uh, you know, you have Indeed, you have... Um, yeah, that, that was me. Was that you? Yeah, and LinkedIn has surpassed like everybody now. So, you know, the, your, your resume, and the cool thing is this is this platform is a level playing field for everybody, right? We're not, we're not special. The only thing we've done different than many is just put the time in and and use this platform and make friends, you know. And I will tell you, it's more fun than it is work, it seems. <clears throat> but it pays uh, off. Yep. So, Alexis, is a question. I'm going to let you have that one. Is someone coming out? Sorry. I'm reading it again. Hold on. Someone come out of the learning course. <clears throat> I would say just um, get as much hands-on as you can. I mean, as far as projects and things to add to your portfolio, as many tools that you can get your hands on, as much experience as you can get your hands on, um, you know, just try to like just absorb all of that information and even use that to help others at the same time because that shows up on your LinkedIn portfolio, right? Um, I mean, I would, I don't really have a solid answer for that, except, you know, just, just eat that information up. Um, talk about, you know, what you have learned. Talk about some of the projects that you've been successful on by just doing that, by, by putting yourself out there and talking about the projects that you've worked on and helping others on this platform. You know, because think about it, you've, you've already come further than many have. So like Ron was saying earlier, you're already in a position where you can mentor others. So just by doing that, you're going to to help gain gain connections, which in turn, every time someone visits your profile, in my opinion, that's a resume view, you know, because your your profile is your is your online resume. So yeah. anything you can do to to do that is going to. And you can also, if you're depending again, what's your path? If you're doing application security, for instance, or threat hunting, or or a malware uh, investigation, you can you can have a repository on Git, which is open for everyone. You can show, okay, this is what I found out. This is how I found out. This is how I did things. Um, that's a good portfolio to have, depending again, what path in the cybersecurity realm you're taking. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. These are good questions. Yeah. Okay, so this one I, I picked specifically. Uh, do you awesome. accept all incoming connection requests on LinkedIn? Or where's the line as far as growing your LinkedIn while staying secure and safe uh, in a security focused position? That is an excellent question and I want to address it because a lot of people have asked me that. Ron, your cybersecurity, why are you putting all of this online? So the simple question, the simple answer for this is this. I consciously put things online that I know what they are. Um, for instance, and this is, and I'm just telling you that, this kind of thing that, that, that I chose to do, I had a, an option to do background, which is my office. You can see things in my office, and I see Mike has it, so don't feel bad, Mike. I chose to have a green screen because I don't want anybody to social engineer me. I have things on my shelf, you know. Somebody can give me a call and says, hey, Ron, I saw you bought this uh, uh, furniture from Ikea. I'm yeah. from Ikea. Social yeah. engineering. Yeah. Um, so always be conscious and who to approve. If the if the uh, profile is obviously fake, like, like Lester said, if it's like somebody that's extremely weird um, and they have like five followers and they say, all of a sudden they say, hello, and that's their only interaction with you, yeah. it smells fishy. So well, you know that it smells fishy. But yeah. always be conscious of what you're putting out there. That's the most important thing. To We know, and I understand, and Mike understand that this platform is public. Everybody can see it. Everybody in the world yeah. can see it. So as long as you're being conscious with what you share and be careful with it in your personal life, I'm okay of sharing it. Because yeah. that's, that's what we are here for. We're here to teach you. We're here to help you. 
We're here to educate either uh, up and coming cybersecurity people or even educate about security, but always be conscious of what you're putting out there. Um, for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love what you said about the furniture and the background and stuff. See, I have a honeypot. This, uh, this thing right here, I can't play it at all, but it throws people off. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Um, I'm the same way. I, I, I accept connections from pretty much anybody unless the account seems like it's going to be malicious or, um, you know, uh, you know, some, something in that nature. Um, and so from there, yeah, it's same thing. I try not to put out anything that I wouldn't want to, to leak out there. I'll never pick my keyboard up that has all of my passwords written on the bottom of it. You'll never see me do that either. So, but, uh, yeah, great, great questions. I saw another question. Um, it, it just says, um, by LinkedIn user. So I'm not sure who it is. Yeah, LinkedIn user, that means that they chose to have their um, yeah. account private. So that's why we can. Read. Yeah, at 435, it says, uh, as a cybersecurity, as a cyber enthusiast, shouldn't we limit what we put on LinkedIn due to hacking personal information? But the question at the end was what I want to talk about. Can we deactivate LinkedIn when we are employed? <clears throat> this is, um, I, I talk about this in my playbook too. Yep, that's it. The last, his last question there is what I want to talk about. They said, I talk about this in my playbook. So, LinkedIn is so for me. I'll, I'll just talk about myself. LinkedIn for me is my insurance policy, right? Even though I'm employed, you know, I'm happy. I love my employer. I'm going to plug them. Appalachia Technologies out of Pennsylvania. Please like their their LinkedIn page. Anyhow, um, I'm really happy with them, and I'll probably finish my career out there, most likely. <clears throat> um, however, it's my LinkedIn is my insurance policy because the pandemic showed us that nothing is ever you can't take anything for granted and let's just say the worst thing happened and for some reason you know i got laid off or i lost my job um i want to have my linkedin account already there with with recruiters still coming to it so that i can fall back on that so um you know even though you're happy in your position leave it you know leave it open because you know it, it's it's definitely an insurance policy to ensure that you can be employed in the future. And truth is, you know, we most of us on LinkedIn, if you have an account out there, you're going to start getting recruiters hit you every single day. Um, we have it. And you just, ha you know, we, we ignore it. I mean, I'm happy. Um, Ron, I'm sure you get them. I know you're happy in your position. So you just ignore them. But I will say it's nice having those kind of in your back pocket that if, if the you know, worst, like I said, worst thing happens and you lose your job, you're not starting from zero and, and filling out 100 online applications. Yep. It's not only that, it's always keep your LinkedIn account open. Always, always yep. engage once. If you're happy with your job, that's great. I'm happy with my job. Mike's happy in his job, but we're engaging every day. Yep. Um, we're engaging with everyone every day on this platform. Um, you have to build a long-term relationship with people. And it's just because you don't know what's going to happen. Tomorrow, you're happy. The next day, something happens. And, you know, we've all seen it. Uh, in the past couple of months, major companies just laying off a thousand people at a time, two thousand, yeah. four thousand people at a time. You never know what's going to happen. It's an insurance policy, uh, like yep. Mike said. And even I'll take it one step further than that. Somebody reaches out to you and gives you a fifty thousand dollar raise on your on your yearly income. You're going to say no. Oh, I and, that, yeah. and that's a and that's a possibility in LinkedIn. You know, people yep. uh, recruiters reach out to you and they say, "Hey, how about this position?" I'll pay you fifty thousand dollars more. Yeah, yeah, you are good you for are. you, man. It's it's good for you, right? Yeah. That's what you should do. It's yeah. you're 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 selling your talent for the highest bidder, even yeah. if you like where you are. If they can't match it, it's up to you to make that kind of decision if you want to move on or not. Yeah, uh, and but you know, at least you have the option there. Yeah, and companies are acquired every day, right? So what if you're happy in your job and they sell out, someone buys them, and you can't stay in the management anymore? You know, you want to be happy in your career as well. <clears throat> yeah. Now, Crystal asking about uh, what's your thoughts, our thoughts on setting up home test project environments for Raspberry Pi um, and documenting your journey on GitHub. Will hiring managers and recruiters uh, look at these resources? And the question and the answer is yes, on LinkedIn, if on GitHub, you'll have to point them to it. So it's another step. And recruiters don't go on GitHub. Usually when it gets to the hiring manager and the hiring manager is a technical uh, it's a tech, they're a technical person. They will go on GitHub to look at your portfolio. Yeah. Uh, yep. But to catch that initial eye of the recruiter, uh, to get that first interview. Now, I always like to say that the resume, what you have on your resume, gets you to the interview. The interview gets you the job. Yeah. Um, so if it's like Absolutely. an initial look, put it on. Put your journey on LinkedIn. And say, hey, today I set up this 
Raspberry Pi. And this is this is what I found out, LinkedIn like lists. So this yeah. is what I found out. One, two, three, four, five, six. Take a picture of your setup, put it on LinkedIn. People are gonna die for it because it's it's great. It shows that you're learning, it shows progression. Yeah. You can have a separate thing for GitHub, um, but that's that's the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I really can't even add to that. I would have said exactly what you said there. You know, anything you do is certainly going to help, but LinkedIn is going to be the place that they look. <clears throat> uh, uh oh, Mueller, Benjamin is going to get you the comment here. <laughs> uh, let's see if you see any interesting questions. There's a whole bunch. There's here. a whole bunch. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm just scrolling up. Not to stick out a lot, a lot of just comments, but uh, I mean, feel free. We got, we got. Yep. Feel free to. Minutes, so hit us, hit us with what we got. <clears throat> this is fun. The interaction's been great. Yeah, this I is, love it. This is really good. It's great for, questions. Uh, yeah. My wife always chimes in on the uh, on these. She's a blast. She she always says, "I could do these for you because <laughs> I hear you do them all the time." <clears throat> yeah, that's a good point about um, <clears throat> you know many users think that LinkedIn is a platform like Facebook, and it's crazy. I talk about this when I'm mentoring, where where people. You know, when a mentor and I talk about connecting to people and engaging with their content and things like that. <clears throat> and, you know, it's weird that here here we are talking about likes and commenting and so on, you know, because this is social media. But at the same time, you know, this is where most of the cybersecurity community sits. So it's weird and it might seem weird that we're using social media to advance our careers. But in this day and age, it's just especially with this field specifically um it, it it's definitely if, if you don't use the platform it's a huge obstacle um so you have to think of it not as social media but think of it as, as networking and i always say not using linkedin is like going to a local networking event and sitting in a car or sitting in a corner so it's the same thing <clears throat> yeah and also linkedin is what you make of it so if you yeah. if you don't enjoy seeing those and i've seen those around you know those uh I have a wedding. I'm so happy. My kids or whatever. Oh, yeah. You can, you can, you can either ignore them. You can yeah. not fo stop following them, but still connect with them. Um, and whatever you share, whatever you put out there, of course, is contact. And the groups, the LinkedIn groups that they, if you're a member of, uh, LinkedIn groups, and they they're technical or not technical. Um, so it, it's pretty much what you make of it. I've I've been on Twitter. I've, I have a Twitter account. I have a Facebook account. Uh, LinkedIn is definitely not Twitter, and it's definitely not Facebook, and it's yeah. definitely mm -hmm. not TikTok. It's yeah. it's light years away from being all of that. The content oh, yeah. on LinkedIn is still professional oriented. Um, yeah. Still, we don't know yeah. what's gonna what's the future holds for that, but it's Absolutely. still it's still uh, yeah. it's still uh, a professionally oriented yeah. uh, content here. And keep in mind, there's no you know, there's no rules as far as what you want to put out. I mean, of course, there's there's terms and stuff. You know, you can't do anything malicious. <clears throat> but at the same time, you know, for anyone that follows me. I, you know, I, I like to have fun on there sometimes too. I mean, I do my, my goofy videos, um, you know, but for me, <clears throat> my, my end goal is that in, you know, I can educate people, right. Um, you'll never see negative posts from me. Anything I put out is always positive. So if anything else, if I can like brighten one person's day by making them laugh, right. And taking their mind off of the stress that they're having, then I've achieved my goal. So you're allowed to be a little bit personable on on this platform if you want to. Um, you know, you just have to kind of be smart about it. But at the same time, when you put information out there, just think about your audience and, and try to always uh, cater to to the people that that are you know that are connected to you. Yep. And let's have questions from all your chats. What do you think the biggest uh, uh, the one biggest problems at the industry with hiring? I would say no standardization on um, certs or titles. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, I think that if there were some standardization on titles, like if a cybersecurity analyst actually meant this down below it, but over here it means something different, 
Um, if that wasn't the case, I think it would help <clears throat> and the misconception of, of the certs. The cert, listen, the certification industry is such a profitable business. They are making, and, and you know, I, I mean, I have some certs myself, um, but I will tell you that um, I respect people who have the certifications where the issue that I have are these companies that issue these certs or the training making promises that if you have XYZ certification, you're going to make a six digit income or, you know, you're going to get this certain position. That's the problem that I have. So I think certifications are fantastic as long as you're gaining the knowledge. Like I said, the search is just a byproduct of the knowledge. But where I have the issue is, you know, this multi-million dollar certification industry making tons of money, misleading you to think that you're going to gain that next that next uh, <clears throat> certification or yeah. that next job. Yeah. Yeah, I have to agree. That's that's just it. There's no standardization. The standardization and the big and the one of the biggest problem is um, with that. Um, you read those job descriptions and they're all over the place. So you don't know what to apply. You don't know what the role is. You don't know what the role does. Um, and it's that again, there's just no, no sort of, no such framework that dictates uh, what to do with it. Absolutely. Nancy has a good question. Uh, she says, uh, if you want to throw it up there, yep. yep. Any industry trends or new technologies you see coming to the forefront in the next five, 10, 15 years? Here's what I'll say. It's not necessarily technology, but um, frameworks, right? You still, it's still the wild west out there. You have private sector companies um, that are out there and they have no security posture. They're not aligned with any type of framework. And, and you're seeing it start, it's starting to come down. Um, even the car, the automotive, the automotive industry um, is, you know, uh, those types of industries are now being hit with, okay, you now have to meet these cybersecurity standards because, you know, car dealers out there are acting as financial institutions because they're putting loans through. So, so they've been hit with these new directives that they have to have in place actually this December, I believe. And I think what you're going to see over the next five to 15 years is that um, you're going to see more compliance standards that companies are going to have to abide by, not by government, right? But, um, you know, even, or I mean, or possibly who knows, but, you know, what you're going to have is if, you know, businesses are all about having partnerships with other businesses. And if, if business A wants to do business with, with business B, well, then, then they want each other kind of checked out. They, they want to look at your security posture. They want to see, um, you, you know, your, your penetration testing, they, they want to see that you're actually due diligent about your cybersecurity program. And the companies that have no cybersecurity program are going to have a hard time. So I would say it's compliance that, that you're really going to see driven in the next few years. Yeah, I agree also. So we hear a lot about AI and ML, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, there's probably going to be more and more and more work and more and more money poured into those. I've taken a test drive in many of them. Are they up to the par of what they claim they can do? Some of them are close, some of them are very far, um, but my guess is it's just gonna be more and more money invested in that machine learning and AI um, in uh, cybersecurity. Yeah, yeah. I think you're gonna see a lot more demand in this industry, because let's face it, what, what industry out there doesn't rely on doesn't rely on this industry, right? So, you know, I think I think it's just a case of um, <clears throat> just learning as much as you can and staying as fresh as you can. Yeah, and the industry changes quite a lot very fast. So always be on the yeah. pulse and things that are uh, continue continuing to change. I myself, I, I wake up in the morning, I say good morning, honey. And I go to my phone and I scroll news <laughs> and I have like some news and then like cybersecurity because there's always something happens somewhere in the world that yep. broke. Um, yep. and, I, and I have to know about it because I wake up, I work in the financial industry. I'm like, I know I'm going to get hammered with questions about yep. it. It's never boring. This field is never boring. You never sit and say, man, I wonder what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm all caught up. <clears throat> uh, let's see. I think we have a question. Uh, time for one more question if you only have experience yep. with non-technical security jobs but you want to get experience with the technical side of cybersecurity to convey in an interview what's the best <clears> way to do that 
Do you want that one or you want me to no, take it? No, you take it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about this one even with, um, <clears throat> I'll talk about GRC, you know, compliance auditing for a second. Um, you can get into auditing being non-technical. I've seen multiple people just recently pivot into this field to become security auditors. The cool thing is, is that if you become a security auditor and whatever framework you're working on, we'll just say PCI, right? Because that's what I'm familiar with. <clears throat> As you're learning the PCI framework, you're learning all these different controls and um, different frameworks require, you know, certain technologies to be in place. We'll just talk about, you know, MFA, multi-factor authentication. You may not know anything about MFA or even what it is, but if you get familiar with a framework, pretty much every framework requires it. And that is going to make you kind of dig in and research that technology. Then you move on to the next one. You move on to um, SIM platforms and, you know, 24-7 alerting you do to compliance. So then you dive into, all right, well, let's look at some different SIM platforms and so on. So um, I think you can become pretty technical even by starting in the GRC side of it and, and learning from there. <clears throat> You have to agree. So just because the role isn't technical, it deals with something that is technical. Um, it also relates to this question. Uh, what do you think about GRCs? That would be a good path, or yep. should I stick to the technical stuff? So whatever you want to do. This this whatever really bugs. Yeah, it's whatever you want to do. But this really bugs me. The reason it bugs me is GRCs governments run risk compliance. That's the policies. That's the laws. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, that the federal government, state government, or or even local government, city government, uh, if you have those kind of laws, uh, gives you uh, surrounding cybersecurity. It, it could be industries, for instance, in the financial industry, there's something called FINRA. FINRA is a body, uh, it's not a, not a government body, but it's a body that controls all of the companies that do um, financial consulting, which is what my company does. Um, and we have to adhere to some of their law uh, rules and, regula and, and regulations as well. So that's GRC. Um, you can't be, I, and that's my personal thought, and I get, I'm going to get a lot of re uh, messages uh, about it. You can't protect something if you don't know what you're protecting. So if you just write a policy out of the blind and so the policy says you have to have six multi-factor authentications because that's what the person decided to write, and I'm just, you know, Oh yeah, I'm just pulling it out as, as a number. Um, you can't do it on the technical realm, so you will always be non-compliant. Right. Right. Yeah. So you have to know at least basic frameworks of of how some how how things work. You're not yeah. protecting anything. You're protecting data. The data is not in a piece of paper. The data is on a computer. The data is on a network. You need to know how a computer and how a network works in order to write an effective policy. Yeah. That's my two cents on it and I'll fight you for it. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. And I'll kind of key off that too. So every vSYSO engagement that I'm on is different, right? And <clears throat> I can tell you that normally where I like to start is looking at the first thing I do when I go in is I look at their policies and procedures because that tells, if I look at your policies and procedures, that tells me a lot about the business, right? It tells me a lot about, um, you know, the, the governance of your, of your organization. <clears throat> and then from there, I like to do some evidence gathering. I like to, um, if your policy says you're doing this, show me something that actually show that actually proves that you're that you're doing this. And any organization you go into, um, I still haven't found a single organization that I went into looked at all of their policies. Everything was perfect. All of the controls were being met. There's always gaps, right? Or always something that that needs improvement. And for me. Um, you know, the, the policies and procedures is just a place where I where I always start. But yeah, like you said, you have to have you still have to have some level of technical understanding of of what you're of what you're looking at. Yeah, and I'm not saying dive in dive deep into you know uh, uh, packet sniffing. I don't need you to be uh, offensive security at all. Just know the basic, just basic things about how how things work. Yeah, um, and Jessica absolutely. Jessica had the comment here. Uh, she was non technical before being a SOC analyst. I found things that sounds mm -hmm. interesting and did projects on those things. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I got to be where I am. Like I, I yeah. started artist yeah. technical because I like tinkering with things, but I found something interesting. Like, hi, okay, I can research it. I can take it apart and put it back together again yeah. and see how it works. Now, the thing is, I got all my certifications after I started doing IT. Yeah. 
Like it Absolutely. took me six, seven years. And I did my CISP after I started doing cybersecurity. So I didn't get them before, I got them after. Um, and, and it was great, it was great knowledge. I still have my NT4 and my Windows 2000 MCSE. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what, where we can use it now. Uh, Dave, hey guys, you pivoted around cybersecurity after you got experience that he was pivoting from non-technical to a technical role, yeah? Yeah, well that David, exactly. he's, always, he's always hanging out. He knew we were talking about him earlier. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. If you are, if you are connected, oh yeah, if you are connected to David right yes. now, go connect to him. He is a plethora of information. Uh, you know, it's so weird because you know my my instinct wants to say he's a personal friend of mine. We've none of us we've have never met. met, but but I mean we talk literally all of us talk every single day. So um, so yeah, I'll say he's he's a personal friend of mine. So go check him out. Same as yep. uh, Jessica as well. And Same as Jessica, yes. So David and Jessica, definitely. Shout yeah. out to you too. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Mike, we're at time. We we're, a little, we're a little bit over time. So it was great <laughs> having you. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed my this first uh, podcast I have. If you guys enjoyed it, leave me a note. If you didn't, leave me a note. Give me some feedback. Feedback is always welcome as long as, as, long as it's constructive. Um, and I might do it again sometime. So thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye.